Okay, take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Last week, we turned to Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. And the subject of the sermon was salvation. And, and the big truth that we uh, proposed last week is salvation is a free gift of God. And we looked at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And we noticed out of those verses who God saves, how God saves, and what God expects from those whom he does save. Well, today, we're going to continue on this theme of salvation. And that is a wonderful word, isn't it? Salvation. I want us to think deeply about that word, not only last week, but this week. And of course, I'm referring to the salvation of sinners, undeserving sinners, and all that comes with it. What comes with, with salvation? Well, the forgiveness of sins, the promise of abundant life, the deliverance from Satan, victory over death, and the assurance of heaven. What a word, this word, salvation. Why, it's the one thing that everyone desperately needs, regardless of age, ethnicity, social standing, or location. So take your Bible. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Now this letter, uh, we don't know exactly who the author was. There's much speculation about it. But nobody knows for sure who wrote this letter. But it was written to Jews who had become a part of New Testament churches. Like any church, some of the, some of the Jews who identified with the church and professed to believe in Jesus had not truly believed in him. They had not been born again. And severe persecution was coming among the Jews Many people think the Jews that he's writing to here are, are, were located in Italy. And, and some of these Jews were even considering a return to Judaism and a rejection of both Jesus and his gospel. The author of this letter challenged the Jews to appreciate and to appropriate the great salvation that Jesus had so graciously provided. The title of today's message is So Great a Salvation. Now when it comes to this great salvation that Jesus has provided, uh, there's a truth we simply must not ignore today. And here's the truth. What Jesus offers is too good to miss. Amen? Amen. Think about it. What Jesus offers, men, women, boys, and girls across the world today is absolutely too good to miss. Now, there are three vital actions that we must take if we're going to ensure that we do not miss what Jesus has to offer. Number one action, pay close attention. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. For this reason... We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. 
Now, those first three words are important. In your translation, your translation may not have for this reason, it may have the word therefore. Now look, they point us back to the opening chapter which is loaded with deep theological truth about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So to begin with today, we, we, we can't really understand and get a grasp of Hebrews chapter 2, 1 through 4 if we don't go back to chapter 1 and make sure we understand the theological underpinnings of who Jesus really is. Now look at at chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1. God spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. And in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, whom, whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better uh, as the, than the angels, and he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Now, in chapter 1, we see some amazing truths about Jesus. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. Jesus is the heir of all things. Jesus is the creator of all. It's right there in chapter 1. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus holds all things together. What does that mean? Well, look, listen, our, our earth is rotating around the sun we're revolving around the sun do you know who holds us in orbit jesus uh, we are spinning on an axis at about 23 and a half degrees the earth who keeps us in that kind of, of alignment with god's will i tell you it is jesus who keeps us exactly where he wants us to be and holds all of creation together we know that Jesus provided cleansing from sins. We know from this chapter that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God this morning. We know that Jesus is superior to the angels. Later on in the book of, uh, of Hebrews, we discover that Jesus is superior to the prophets. Jesus is worshipped by the angel. Jesus is the king of an everlasting kingdom. So we see this phrase in chapter 2, verse 1, that we must pay much closer attention. Now you see why we must pay much closer attention. These are the words of Jesus. This salvation that he has provided for the human race is a salvation that requires our utmost attention, right? Now this, this term, notice, to hold Pay much closer attention is a nautical term. It refers to a sailor bringing his ship into a harbor. Now, think, think about the first century. Don't think about today. Think about the first century, what that must have been like. It would require careful consideration and careful attention for a sailor to get his ship into a harbor in the right place. 
He had to battle the tides. He had to stay very focused on the currents, the winds, the waves, other ships, any rocks or sandbars. Any distraction, listen, any distraction could prove to be absolutely disastrous for the ship and disastrous for the sailors on that ship. So based on the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ that we see revealed so clearly to us in chapter 1, we must give careful attention to what this word reveals about him and the greatness of his salvation. Nothing is more important. I'm going to say that again. Nothing is more important than your salvation. Nothing. No one is more important than your salvation. Nothing is more important. No one can come close to making the impact on your life that the Lord Jesus Christ can. So here's the truth we must embrace today. What Jesus offers is absolutely too good to miss. Amen? It's too good to miss. So here's our first action, pay close attention. Here's our second action, avoid the danger. Avoid the danger. Now look at chapter 2, verse 1 again. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Let's focus on that word drift for just a few moments. Once again, the verb is a a, a nautical term here. It means to float passively by. It suggests a ship experiencing a gradual, almost unnoticeable drift past the desired harbor. The Greek word was also used of a, a ring slipping off a finger. Now, as we think about that word drift just a moment, Think about how it works in our, in our everyday world today. A, a student goes to class, and that student didn't, didn't get much sleep the night before, and that student in the middle of class drifts off to sleep. Have any of you ever done that before? Drift off to sleep. Look what happens in so many marriages today. In so many marriages today, the husband and wife begin to drift apart. It's not something sudden. I mean, you don't wake up the next day and suddenly you're ready for divorce court. No, it's a drifting that takes place. And it takes place over a period of time. Think about when you drive your vehicle. Have you ever been driving your vehicle and you... You lose your attention for just a moment and there's, there's something that happens over here to the right and your eyes are averted to that thing on the right and what happens to your car? It drifts, does it not? And hopefully, you move your eyes back to the road in time to avert a disaster, right? A wreck. So this idea of drifting it is true not only in marriages, it's not only true in in driving, it's not only true with students who drift off to sleep, but I'll tell you, it's true when it comes to this matter of salvation. Some people, listen, some people just begin to drift away from God, drift away from the Word of God, drift away from the gospel of God, and it's almost imperceptible. You can't even tell you're doing it, but you are doing it. 
John MacArthur stated, I quote, most people just slowly, almost imperceptibly slip past the harbor of salvation and out into eternal destruction. He said, drifting is so quiet, so easy, but so damning. All you need to do to go to hell is do nothing. Now, you see, see that last statement? All you need to do to go to hell is do nothing. Do nothing. Pastor, do you really believe in a hell? Pastor, do you really believe in a, a literal heaven? Absolutely. You say, why do you believe in it? Because Jesus believed in it, and Jesus taught it. I, I'm paying much closer attention to what is in this word than I do what is in newspapers or magazines or what supposed experts have to say in our world today. We've got to pay attention to Jesus. We've got to pay attention to his word. We've got to pay attention to his gospel. Now, some of you, within the sound of my voice, you're in great danger even this morning. You've heard about Jesus all your life. All your life, you've heard about him. You, you grew up in church. Your mom and dad drug you to church from the time you were old enough to walk. You know about Jesus. And you've even been exposed to his word. And you've heard his gospel numerous times. And the Holy Spirit has repeatedly convicted you of sin righteousness and judgment and you have ignored or neglected his efforts to save your soul and to draw you to Jesus and you've turned a deaf ear to the spirit of God and to the gospel of God and you sense absolutely no urgency whatsoever you're drifting away from the great salvation that Jesus has offered to you Listen, that's a drift that you cannot afford to allow it to have its impact on your life. You've got to pay attention. You've got to pay attention to what Jesus said. You've got to pay attention to what this, this Bible says. You've got to pay attention to the gospel. Listen, there's only one true gospel. There's not plan A, plan B, and plan C. There's one true gospel. I say on the authority of God's word that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And I'm telling you, there's only one Savior for every person who's living on this planet today. There's not multiple Saviors for different ethnicities and different beliefs. I tell you, there's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus. And only he can save you. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and thee life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. What amazing claims Jesus made. And I'll tell you, friend, when he was resurrected from the dead, every one of those claims, every one of his promises were validated. Every one of them. And God's speaking to your heart today. 
And there are some of you who at the end of this service, when we invite our staff to come forward and, and we worship again, I'm going to invite you to leave your seat. I'm going to invite you to come to one of our staff members and just tell them, hey, today I want to be saved. I want Jesus to save my soul. I don't want to drift. I don't want to neglect the great salvation that Jesus has provided for me. I'll tell you what we will not do. We will not embarrass you. If you'll come to one of our staff members, we'll introduce you to one of our volunteers. They'll take you out of this room into a private room and they'll share the gospel with you and you can have the opportunity today to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Well, I'll tell you, I don't want you to miss out on what Jesus has to offer. And I know the Holy Spirit of God does not want you to miss out on what Jesus has to offer today. You see, the first action that we must take, we must pay close attention. Secondly, we must avoid the danger. What's the danger? The danger of drifting. And number three, here's the third action, face the truth. Face the truth. Look at verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 2. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. Now what's he talking about here? What's he talking about the word spoken through angels? Well, it's a reference to the old covenant. It's a reference to the Mosaic covenant, the Jewish law. In some way, angels were involved on Mount Sinai when Moses was given the law by God, angels were involved. They delivered some aspect of that law to Moses. You say, how do we know that? Well, look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 to 22. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, look at this, having been ordained or delivered through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. That seed that the Bible talks about here in the law is a reference to Jesus. The law looked forward to Jesus coming. The law looked forward to Jesus dying on the cross. The law looked forward to Jesus being resurrected from the dead. Verse 20, now mediator is not for one part party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law has been given, when it had been able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The Bible says that the law was steadfast and unalterable. It represented God's standards. Remember the law? God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not have any other false gods before me. And on and on it went. That's, those are examples of the Ten Commandments, part of the Jewish law, the moral law. And I'll tell you, a failure to obey those, whether by commission uh, uh, an act of commission, of, of, 
um, on purpose sin or, or simply omitting something, a failure to obey the law of God was punished in a very specific way according to the law. Now, the punishment was always fair and always just. Now, keep in mind that this was the old covenant which was delivered by angels. By the way, who is superior to angels? What did we discover in chapter 1 of Hebrews? Jesus is superior to the angels. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord and it was confirmed to us by those who heard. The author of Hebrews here is using, using a lesser to greater argument. So if there were consequences for violating the old covenant law, what could be said for those who failed to pay attention to Jesus and his word and the great salvation that he has offered to undeserving sinners like us? There would be no escape, the Bible says. No escape. I thought about that when I read it. And I thought about Jesus' parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And I thought in Luke chapter 16, the Bible says that the rich man in hell raised his eyes and there in Abraham's bosom was Lazarus, the one that the rich man had ignored, the one that the rich man had treated unjustly. And there was the poor man in Abraham's bosom in paradise. And the rich man wanted to, to send somebody to his brothers to get word to them not to come to that awful place of hell. But you know what Abraham said to him? Abraham said, between us and you, there's a great chasm fixed. There's no escape. I, I tell you on the authority of God's word, if a man, woman, boy, or girl rejects the gospel, the great, great salvation that Jesus had provided through his own death, burial, and resurrection, there is no hope, no hope in this life, and no hope in eternity. A great gulf, there's no escape. That's exactly what the writer of Hebrews says here in verse 3. Now, to neglect means to be unconcerned, to be careless and indifferent. It, it, is, it is the direct opposite of pay close attention to, like it said in verse 2. It's, it's totally the direct opposite. Now think about this. Take your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. I want to show you something. Here we, we have the emphasis upon the, the old covenant law and the new covenant under Christ. Look at this. Anyone who has set aside, Hebrews 10, 28 and 29, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now look at verse 29. How much severer punishment 
Do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? That, those are some frightening verses, folks. Do you realize that there are degrees of punishment in hell just like there are degrees of reward in heaven? The Bible teaches, Jesus taught that. And, and I tell you, friend, today in our culture, you've got more light than so many other people who are living in the world today. More spiritual light. And you will be held to a greater responsibility. That's what the Bible teaches. And yet some of these folks that that the writer of Hebrews is writing to were, were drifting past the truth of the gospel. MacArthur stated, we believe this warning is to those who have heard the gospel, know the facts about Jesus Christ, know that he died for them, and that he desires to forgive their sins, that he can give them new life, but are not willing to confess him as Lord and Savior. This surely is the most tragic category of people in existence. The purpose of these four verses is to give such persons a powerful shove toward Jesus Christ. Oh, how I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will use these four verses to give many of you a powerful shove toward Jesus and the great salvation that he offers to us through the gospel. You say, Pastor, do you really believe that Jesus will forgive my sins? Do you really believe that Jesus can save me and give me the gift of eternal life and abundant life here and now? Do you really believe that's possible for me? I tell you, listen, listen. That's true for anybody within the sound of my voice. He can do that for you. You say, you don't know what I've done, Pastor. You don't know, I've been immoral. I've had an abortion. I've lied, I've cheated, I've stolen. And you can just name sin after sin after sin. And I'll tell you, friend, the Bible says that Jesus has the power to forgive your sin. His blood can cleanse you of all sin. That's the truth of the gospel. And I'm praying today that this drifting would stop in your life. I'm praying that today, whether you're a teenager, whether you're, you're a, a, a senior adult, a middle-aged adult, a young adult, a child, that you will stop drifting past this wonderful salvation that Jesus has offer, is offering you and that you will turn in and you will put your faith and trust in Jesus and receive this great salvation for yourself. Now, why did the author of Hebrews call this so great a salvation? Well, there could be many reasons. Think about this. What makes salvation so great? Well, look who offered it. Jesus, right? Look at what it cost him to offer it. It cost him his own blood. Look at the truthfulness of this gospel. And that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews wanted these folks to understand. 
How do we know it's true? Well, he says here in, in, in verse 3 that it was originally proclaimed by the Lord Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus preached the gospel. In John 1, 17, the Bible says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So it was originally proclaimed by the Lord Jesus. Therefore, you can know it's absolute truth, right? And here's another way that we know it's truth. It was confirmed by those who heard him, the Bible says. In Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, we, we hear the testimony of the apostle Paul. Here are Paul's words. The Bible says in Romans 5, verse 8 and 9, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. The apostle Paul confirmed the truthfulness of this great salvation that Jesus provides. 1 Peter 3.18, the Bible says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So we have Paul testifying to the truthfulness of this great salvation, and we have Peter testifying to the truthfulness of this great salvation. Now look at verse 4 in Hebrews chapter 2. God also testifying with them. So here, God the Father joins in this confirmation of the truthfulness of the gospel and the truthfulness of this great salvation. God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. It was certified, listen, this truthfulness of the gospel, this truthfulness of this great salvation was certified by the Lord Jesus, by the apostles, and it was certified by God, and the, Fa God the Father with signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Spirit. T take Acts 2.22, for example. Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he said, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you all also know. Look at Acts 5.12. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. Now, wouldn't you agree with my assessment today? As we look at these four verses, here's my assessment. What Jesus offers is too good to miss. It's just too good to miss. But you must act on what you've heard. You say, what must I do, Pastor? Well, here's what you've got to do. Pay close attention. Pay close attention to Jesus and his words. Number two, avoid the danger, and what's that danger? Of drifting. Of just drifting imperceptibly past the glory of salvation that Jesus offers to you. 
And then number three, face the truth. Face the truth. And here's the truth. This is absolute truth from God. It's been confirmed by Jesus himself. It's been confirmed by the apostles, and it has been confirmed by God the Father. This is not something that some preacher is making up. This is the truth of God. And God's speaking to some of your hearts today. Some of you, within the sound of my voice, you're drifting this moment. You're drifting. You're careless. You're neglecting the things of God. You're neglecting Jesus. You're neglecting his word. You're neglecting the gospel. And I don't know when that time will come, but at some point in the future, if you do not respond to Jesus, you're going to drift past the salvation that he has to offer you. And you're going to miss out on it. And I urge you today, before it's too late, turn in. Go ahead, turn in today. Take your soul Make a sharp right and turn into Jesus and the harbor of salvation and put your faith and trust in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And he'll give you this great salvation. He'll give it to you. Not because you've earned it or deserved it, but because it's a gift from him to you. Oh, I pray you will. But I want to speak a word to those of you who are believers today. Some believers can drift spiritually also. Will you agree with that? Have you ever drifted in your life as a believer? You know, you drift away from reading your Bible. You drift away from praying. You drift away from sharing your faith. You drift away from coming to church. And you just begin to imperceptibly drift away from God. And the distance between you and God gets greater and greater and greater. Let me ask you a question. Who moved? God didn't move. You moved. The Bible says in the book of James, if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. And I'm going to invite you as a believer today to come to this altar and bow before the Lord and just say to him, Lord, I've moved. I've drifted away from you. And, And Lord, today, I pray that you would revive my soul that you would put passion in my heart for you, that you would help me to seek you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength. I tell you, the Lord will answer that prayer. It's his will that every believer walk in the fullness of his spirit and the fullness of his power. So I encourage you to come. Maybe you're here today and, and you're looking for a church home. You and your family are looking for a church home. And you've been visiting and and you just sense that the Holy Spirit is giving you a desire to become a part of Carville First Baptist Church. I want to encourage you today, if you sense that the Spirit is calling you here, you come to one of our staff members and just tell them that you want to become a part of this church today. It is God's will that you be a part of a Bible-preaching, God-honoring church. And I want to encourage you If you feel led to do it, you come to one of our staff members and we'll help you with that decision. I want want you to bow your head for just a moment. Lord, you have provided for us so great a salvation. And I pray, Lord, that none of us would miss what you have provided. I I pray, Lord, that there would be just a, 
a, a breakthrough moment with the Holy Spirit moving in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. And I pray that those who are not saved would come to faith in Jesus today. I pray the drifting would stop today and there would be an urgency that would grip their souls and they would turn to Jesus in repentance and faith. Oh God, save their souls today. And Lord, I pray for believers who are drifting spiritually. And I pray, Lord, that you would, that you would call them to draw near to you today and that there would be a revival that would take place in their soul and they'd have a fresh passion and love for you. And Lord, for those whom you're calling to become a part of this church, I pray that they would obey you and they would come and become a part of this church and serve you with all their hearts. So Lord, we just humble ourselves before you and we thank you, Lord, that you've given us this great salvation. Lord, help us to pay attention. Help us to avoid the danger. Help us to face the truth. In Jesus' name.